The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the Sadducees for a second. So we know that the Pharisees, we often talk about them, we rag on them, they get the bad rap all the time because they're against Jesus. But often in the scriptures, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are presented together because they're kind of cut from the same cloth, but only kind of. It would be too easy to say that they're the same. Pharisees, remember, well, they're both scholars of the law, Pharisees and Sadducees, but they take different positions on different things. For example, the Pharisees are very tradition-focused. The Pharisees are more focused on the prophets and the histories uh, and books uh, of kind of what we would call the later books of the Old Testament. And they believe, of course, in the Torah, but they're looking more toward the prophets and the histories and the tradition for answers. Whereas the Sadducees, they focus very heavily on the Torah. If it's not in the first five books of the Old Testament, called the Torah, the law, then we don't need to know it. We don't pay attention to it. The, the Sadducees, they put all their focus right there uh, on those things. It's the law. This is what we do. These are the rules. This is how it is. The Pharisees, they do believe in the resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. And they put all their eggs in the basket of this world. And we can ask from our point of view, like, why are you putting all your eggs in the basket of this world trying to be good if there's nothing coming? But anyway, we don't ask those questions, I suppose, of the Sadducees. The Pharisees were opposed to the Romans. They did not like Roman rule in Jerusalem and Israel. They did not want anything to do with the Romans. The Sadducees 
were cooperating with the Romans. They were helping the Romans. They were supportive of the Romans and Roman rule in Israel. So these kind of fundamental issues at the time of Jesus, you see that these groups, that they, they both don't like Jesus, and they both don't like him for relatively the same reasons, but they have different positions to support those same things. Does that make sense? That's important. The Sadducees have taken all the steps that they can to make sure that their life is as comfortable as possible. Not comfortable necessarily materially, although some of them were quite wealthy, but the Sadducees have set up a way for them where they can read the law and follow the law and worry about nothing else. They have set up a life by cooperating with the Romans that they have the full protection of the Romans. They can do things in relative peace because they've sold themselves out, even to the detriment of their own beliefs or their own people, but at least they can be comfortable. And essentially, they represent a very interesting part of the religious people contingent. All people are religious, by the way. That's a hot take, which that's another homily in itself. But um, they represent this contingent of people who the words coming out of their mouth seem to indicate belief in higher power, a god, whatever. But the actions that they actually commit seem to suggest that the god who they worship is either themselves or their status or their worldly convenience or something else. If your god lets you do whatever you want, your god is probably you. (laughs) We've said that before, right? But here, it's so fascinating because they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And yet they're asking Jesus, a hypothetical question about the resurrection from the dead. And so you might be wondering, yeah, I would like to know which person will that woman be married to when she, at the resurrection of the dead? And Jesus doesn't answer that question because Jesus is not a dummy head. Got it? Jesus is is really not going to entertain a lot of that simply because he understands that they're just trying to trick him. They don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they're trying to trick him up. They're trying to get him to stumble on his words so that they can have some reason to convict him. So he just ignores their question totally. He gives us our theology, part of our theology of marriage, that marriage, this is where we get our vows from, till death do us part, because after death, right, the marriage bond is severed, and a person is free to remarry uh, if they're uh, on earth still, of course. A person who's dead probably will not be getting remarried. But... That's pretty much all we get, except for this beautiful teaching about the resurrection. The resurrection is found in the Old Testament. It's prefigured and spoken out in kind of typology, but it's in these books of Maccabees that you find the kind of, like this was a part of the people's belief and and people's kind of way of living life. So the Maccabees, a very interesting group of people, Maccabees, of course, the story of Judas Maccabeus and King Antiochus Epiphanes. Like, this is where the Jews get their celebration of Hanukkah, right? The destruction of their temple, the rebuilding of their temple. But the, the Maccabees, uh, especially the story of the seven brothers, I just love the way that it's so kind of natural, the way that they talk about it. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. And from God, I hope to receive them again. You accursed fiend, you're depriving us of this present life, but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. 
But the beautiful thing about this is that it shows that you have to lose it. They have to give it up in order to gain it. And that sounds like a very simple kind of pious message. And that's because it is a simple message. But we complicate it. We overcomplicate it. But it's really about as simple as that. We can think about it as boomerang spirituality, right? You take your blue plastic boomerang that you bought at Walmart and you throw it away through the trees. And somehow, in its own time, it comes back to you, defying the laws of physics, covered in jewels and gold, totally reborn and remade into something precious. That's what the Christian life is like. That the only thing you will get back in its fullness are the things that you, in your life, gave away. And oftentimes, the things that we're called to give away, wealth, pleasure, power, and honor, for example, convenience and comfort, those are the things that are the prices of your everyday worldly suffering. I heard about a priest that did this, and so I've done it as well in my office at Chesterton. And I took a piece of cardboard from a box that I was throwing away, recycling, and I ripped it off, and I took a Sharpie, and on this piece of cardboard I simply wrote, Have you died yet today? Have you died yet today? So much of my own kind of uh, difficulty in life, my own downs, They come from my insistence on living my own way at all costs, on building up for myself a life of the Sadducees. How can I be as comfortable as possible today? How can I go as out of my way as little as possible today? How can I ensure that my visions and dreams for this day are disrupted the lowest number of times possible, right? And this is sort of, I think we're all kind of living in this way, right? And we know that the price of loving something is that we will eventually face the risk of it going away from us. And that makes love very difficult, right? And love of spouse, love of parents, love of house, love of child, love of car, love of job, whatever. We we love things, but we don't give ourselves to them in a way that we would have to really suffer. Because if we did, then when they go away, then a big part of ourselves goes away. And that's excruciatingly painful, isn't it? those of you who have endured the losses of life, which is everyone, by the way, uh, you know, if you're willing to take it seriously, that it's excruciatingly painful. But if you have stuck with it and not medicated it away with ice cream or Hugo's, you know, frog bar or whatever. That's what I do, by the way. Never frog legs, though. Nasty. Nasty. You went in with heartbreak and you came out with acid reflux. You know, you don't need that. <laughs> anyway, and you don't, if you stick with it and you don't medicate it away through whatever form you choose, then you know the experience of somehow or other new life coming from that difficult experience. There's a poet named Leon Bloy, and he says something that I, I've always found very fascinating. He says, there are parts of ourselves that do not have existence and into them enters suffering that they might have existence. There are parts of ourselves that do not yet exist, and into them enters suffering that they might have existence. So in a world that seeks to get rid of suffering at all costs, 
Is it any surprise that very few of us are truly growing, that very few of us ever really mature? And this is why you have grown-up people who act like children. (laughs) And then when you meet children who seem wise beyond their years, don't be surprised that when you look into their life, there's been profound difficulty there. Because Jesus is the one who teaches us by his own witness that suffering, death, excruciating pain is the pathway into life. For the Christian person, death simply means more life. But if God were to just bestow the life upon us without any suffering, we would do what humans always do with everything, and that is simply take it for granted, miss the meaning, and ruin it. (laughs) Be careful of that. Be careful of that. What I want to leave with you today is just that this hope of the resurrection is not just something that we came up with. It's something that's been talked about and debated for ages and ages. And that in this month of November, as we celebrate this kind of month of all the souls, we pray for the beloved dead of our own families, of our friends. And we like pay attention to what you say with your mouth today in the creed, because that is what we believe that we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, that in the fullness of time, let me put it to you this way, almost every day I go for a walk from the rectory down School Street to Julian, you turn left, and I go through the cemetery a couple times. If you go four times around the loop, it's a mile, did you know? And uh, nobody talks to me in there, which is a delightful thing. I would be terrified if someone was talking to me. But go to that cemetery right there. But go there maybe for the first time with this passage of Scripture in your mind. From the Old Testament. That God will give the command and the angel will blow the trumpet and the graves of the dead will be opened and the dead will rise. And that all the dead, good and bad, will be reunited with their bodies at the resurrection and the end of the world. The bad will go off to whatever they're going off to, and the good will go off to whatever they're going off to. But we have always believed in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So, you have a choice today. We all have a choice today. Knowing now what you know about the Sadducees, you can see why they're so sad, you see. But we who have hope, we who have a witness, we who have the power, we know what to do and we know where we're going. Amen? Amen. So be consoled by that and make choices today when you encounter difficulty and ask yourself, have you died yet today? Because if you haven't died yet today, you're probably not really going to live today.